On this episode of Things That Matter, I interview my friend David Guzik, and we are talking about uh, Bible commentaries, Bible exposition. We're talking a lot about the Bible, so stay tuned. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Things That Matter. I'm Brian Broderson, and it's great to be with you today. And I am really excited to have my friend David Guzik in the studio with me today. David. Hey, Brian. Great to have you. Thanks for having um, me. Of course, we've been trying to get you in here for a while. It hasn't worked out for yeah. some months, but I'm glad it worked out yeah, today. Yeah, it worked out today. Um, David has, it still is, the pastor at Calvary Chapel, Santa Barbara, but it's kind of transitioning a little bit here. Taking a new role, really, what we're calling teaching pastor. Yeah, right, okay. Teaching pastor is the perfect role for you because <laughs> you are the Bible expositor extraordinaire. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about um, teaching, teaching the Bible because, David, you are really, um, you know, God has just given you an extraordinary gift to teach, but also, of course, with the teaching, there comes the preparation for teaching, and you've helped so many of us just in that process, and then uh, even further back than that mm. is just the study of the scriptures themselves, and so I want to talk to you about all of that stuff, so Fantastic. let's let's start with... Um, <clears throat> Let, let's let's start with the first one. Let's just start with 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 teaching and preaching. Um, you're you've been committed to that for decades, obviously. Sure, something like I started teaching the Bible when I was 16 years old. Started teaching home Bible studies. Amazing, 16. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and you know, you just. You jumped right in. Um, obviously, you didn't start pastoring a church when you were 16. No. Right. But not too many years after that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Lance Ralston and I, we started Calvary Chapel Oxnard when I was only 19. When you were 19? So it was, it was not very yeah. far after that. Yeah. So how did, how did you guys get this, uh, you know, you guys, is it because yeah. you mentioned Lance, but I'm gonna, I'll just leave it with you, singular. How did you get this? This, this passion to teach? What, 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 what happened there? Well, you know, part of it was just some unbelievable modeling that I received early on. The first Protestant preacher I ever heard was Greg Laurie. Is that The right? first Protestant church I ever walked into was Calvary Chapel Riverside no back in about 1976. Wow. The only background I had with church before that was we came from a nominally Roman Catholic family. Okay. So, to, so that's to why have, you emphasize the word Protestant. That's right. <laughs> It, it, but to have the Bible explained, yeah. I mean, I, it was an entirely new world. Mm -hmm. And just both uh, Greg Laurie's way, and then Chuck Smith, who I mainly got to know through cassette tapes. Okay. Uh, at, at that time, especially, Calvary Chapel Riverside, later Harvest, of course, yeah. they had a study center. And my brother and some of his friends would take me, and we would go there and just listen to tapes. And that got me started. And, and listening to Pastor Chuck Amazing. and Greg Lloyd, that modeling of just bringing forth the scriptures plainly, it had a huge impression yeah. on me. And, and I've often thought this, and maybe we've probably even talked about it ourselves together, but um, you know, the thing about Pastor Chuck that I, I think mm. for all of us probably had this experience to some degree, as I sat and listened to Chuck... 
and was so impacted by you know his ministry, I had this feeling of wanting to do what he was doing. Yes, yes. Did you? you Th- there was something remarkable about that. That uh, if you hear other people who are great speakers or orators, yeah. you're kind of in awe of them. Yeah. And the idea is, wow, they're amazing. I could never do what exactly, they do. Exactly. Yeah. But there was something about the way God used Chuck Smith yeah. to bring the feeling of that man did something remarkable and maybe God could use me to do it as well. Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, exactly. it's really, a, 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 there was a magnetism yeah. to yeah. what he did that has drawn thousands upon thousands yeah. of men in the yeah. ministry and indirectly women as well yeah. to follow that example in yeah. teaching the now, Bible. I, I have to tell you, I, I don't think I've ever told you this, but um, I knew you by name uh, pretty much. You know, we might have met you know, once or twice, uh, but you know, that, was, that was about it. Um, the first time I ever heard you teach was in Australia. Oh, really? And we were uh, doing a conference together. Right, right. And, um, and I'll never forget when you got up and taught, and I just sat there going, who is this guy? Where did, where did this guy come from? How, how can he teach so, how can he teach like this? Because you know, the teaching was so great. Boy. And honestly, I mean, I hadn't, I had, I did, I, I didn't know, mm-hmm. you know, that, that gifting that you had. But, uh, you know, from that point on, I've, I've been a big fan. But uh, now you have written a Bible commentary, essentially. You've been working on, you've got uh, several individual volumes, but you've, you've basically been working on the, the whole Bible. That's right. Well, it, it's kind of interesting because in one way, I've been writing a Bible commentary, yeah. but it never started that way. Yeah. I mean, it started, those were just the way I prepared my own teaching notes. Yeah. And through some surprising circumstances, I found out that was helpful for other people as Bible commentary. Yeah. And so in the last 30 years in total, um, my material's been out on the internet for the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. But really, the work goes back about 30. Yeah. I, I've been working, and I'm getting pretty close. Yeah. Uh, God willing, by the end of this year, I'll finish the book of Proverbs, and then I'll have something on every book of the Bible. Amazing. Yeah, and I, so it wasn't intentional. You didn't sit down and say, I'm going to write a Bible commentary. No, but once I saw that God used what I prepared for myself and other people could use his Bible commentary, then it did become intentional. You know, you said something to me a while back that really, it, it it was a profound statement. You referred to this Bible commentary as your life's work. And, and you know, when you said that, I, it just, I really liked that. And I, and I thought of you as like Matthew Henry, or I thought of you as, you know, Charles Spurgeon or somebody who, you know, left us with, with a life's mm. work. And I just, you know, it, it impressed me just how this is your life's work and you are, are, are leaving a legacy. Now, I mean, there are still guys writing commentaries. There are yes. still publishers out there that are looking for people, you know, to come up and do a commentary so they can publish. Uh, but I don't know too many people that are doing that. And, and of course, you know, in the kind of the larger Christian community, the evangelical community, people would even say, oh, well, you know, commentaries aren't really, you know, they don't sell today. Why don't you write yeah. a book about, right. uh, you know, how you planted a church or something like sure. that. But yeah, it's are, true. are commentaries Well, they're, they're, they're helpful. They're not obsolete. And they'll never be obsolete. Right. But they are kind of targeted. They, they don't go out to a general Christian audience. Yeah. And since they're kind of segmented, you know, if you, if you have a commentary on Romans, yeah. not only are you getting the Christians just interested in a commentary, but a commentary on that specific yeah. book. Yeah. 
So from a from a publisher standpoint, yeah. it, it's not an attractive right. uh, publish, but but there's always going to be a place for them. Yeah. And I'm I'm really happy that the way God sort of planned my distribution for what I produce, it, it's free and it's online. Yeah, uh, that, that's been a huge plus in people using it. Yeah, you know what I love about your commentary, and my, my wife is one of your biggest fans. I mean, she's like, David Guzik, she just preaches David Guzik. You know, got to get David's commentary. <laughs> but what I love about your commentary, um, obviously I read commentaries as well, mm-hmm. um, and I'll pick up your commentary, and I will be able a lot of times to kind of know who you're, you know, using as your reference point there, sure. you know? And, and I like that. And because, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll refer to Stott or you'll refer to Spurgeon or you'll quote G. Campbell yes. Morgan here or F.F. Bruce or whoever, you know, right. you, you got some guys and, and, and it's all always really good. But then you, you've got that thing that God's given you. Mm. And oftentimes I'm reading and I'm going, okay, Wow, this is so good. Where did he get this? And then, you know, come to find out it's just the, the, the thing that the Lord gave you on it. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, you know, one of the things about commentary sometimes that's a little bit difficult is that, uh, and especially, you know, the really good ones, they were written so long ago. Yes. So sometimes the, you know, the, the cultural context of them is just almost irrelevant. To, yeah, or, or just the language, the phrasing, yeah, the right. syntax that they use yeah, is yeah. hard to wade yeah. through. So, what what I appreciate about yours is you you've got that combination of kind of the old and the new. Mm, you know, there's yeah. a contemporary feel That's to right. it where you go, oh yeah, okay, yeah. I can. This translates, you know, right into today. Yeah, and and I do some of the commentators I like to refer to. Some of them are the kind of old guys, the yeah. the Charles Spurgeons, the Adam Clarks. Yeah. John Trapp is an old Puritan yeah, yeah. guy that I I've really enjoyed reading the last several years and guys yeah. like that. Yeah, I think based upon my reading of you and my mm. knowing you and hanging around with you, mm. I think uh, Spurgeon is your hero. Yeah, Spurgeon was a remarkable guy. And when you take a look, basically when I'm teaching through a passage, yeah. I'll look to see what Spurgeon preached on that passage. Yeah. And, and kind of from my observation, this isn't scientific, but it seems to me like maybe about a third of Spurgeon's sermons, he basically used the text as a launching point. Right. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, yeah. and those those are fine. Sure. But I'll kind of more skim those yeah. messages. But there is anywhere from maybe a half to two thirds of his messages mm-hmm. where his preaching is a brilliant exposition yeah. of the text. He will tear it apart and examine it from every angle. Mm-hmm. And I think I've learned a lot about exposition mm-hmm. from Charles Spurgeon's sermons. Yeah. Have you read the whole Metropolitan Tabernacle? No, but probably more than two thirds. Wow. Yeah. Probably more than two thirds. As as a reference, or just I'm going to sit no, down. No, as and a read reference. Yeah. As a reference, because I've walked with Spurgeon through most of the Bible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'd probably say two thirds or more. Yeah. I've read. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to come back to this in a second. Okay. But before we do that, I want to go uh, uh, same same uh, topic. But recently, you took uh, some time, like right. you know, to work your way through this commentary to focus on doing the Psalms. Yes. And you and I had a conversation about this, and you told me that you read probably 10,000 pages. 9,000. 9,000. Yes, more than 9,000. Yeah. One more. Okay, let's okay. round it off. To, okay, sure. Because <laughs> it was more than 9,000. But when you told me that, I just thought, oh my gosh, you, you read... Okay, 
9,000 pages on the Psalms to help you in your... Right. What, what right. was that like? Well, Psalms, as, as far as commentary is concerned, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the biggest project that yeah. I ever have or yeah. ever will undertake. Mm-hmm. And I mean... It, as a process of time, it took me something like 15 years. Now, there were lots of times where I wasn't doing much. Yeah. And I've probably done more than half of it in the last two years. Yeah. But it, it, it is a way because every psalm is its own universe. Yeah. And you have to approach each one on its own. You don't necessarily have, with rare exceptions, do you have like a contextual flow yeah. from one psalm to another? Right. And treating each one individually, mm-hmm. and then some of the resources that are out there in the Psalms are so rich. Yeah. You, know, you have Spurgeon's Treasury of David. Treasury of David, yeah. So I would get double Spurgeon yeah. on all the Psalms. If he preached a sermon on that Psalm, I'd yeah. read it. Right. And then I also read everything he did in Treasury of David. Yeah. But then other commentaries like um, James Montgomery Boyce mm-hmm. has marvelous mm-hmm. work on the Psalms. Yeah. Uh, Derek Kidner is an excellent yeah. commentator on the Psalms. So, Collectively, I suppose I used about 12 to 15 commentaries on yeah. the Psalms as yeah. I made my way through it. And what I did was I just added up the pages from all those works, yeah. and it was well more than 9,000. Yeah. What, what is the, remember the Banner of Truth put out a commentary on the Psalms years ago. It was really a thick, I think it was a Puritan Well, work um, I used one just on Psalm 119 <laughs> uh, by, I think his name was Bridges. Yeah. And it, it was marvelous. Yeah. And then some other ones, another old Anglican guy that I used was George Horn, who did a thick work on the Psalms. And he was very helpful, yeah. just marvelous insights. Yeah. So what, what, was your, what was your personal takeaway from all of that? You know, um, I don't know if there's another book in the Bible that from an, an emotive connection teaches us a much, as much about God and man as the Psalms. Mm-hmm. I mean, every aspect of God's nature and character, in some way, it seems to be explored in the Psalms. Yeah. But then also, there's not a single human yeah. feeling that we have, yeah. from the highest to the lowest, that isn't dealt with mm-hmm. with unbelievably el- uh, in an eloquent way yeah. in the Psalms. It's it's a remarkable yeah. book. Yeah, and, and I know by by experience, I, you know, seasons in my life where I battle with illness and things mm-hmm. like that. I you know, there were times where. I, I felt like I could I could have written this psalm. Yes. Because it was so you know, I can't remember if it's Psalm seventy eight or one of one of those psalms are there is the most accurate, like clinical description of depression I have yes. ever read anywhere. It's in a psalm. Yes. Like, oh my gosh, this this is my experience and David had the exact same experience. Yeah. It's it's remarkable how they resonate. Yeah. And and, and in the lows, yes. Yeah. But in the highs in as the well, highs, yeah. in the exaltation of our praise and just yeah. love of God and the joy of this life, yeah. it's so reflected in yeah. the Psalms. So how many pages is the Psalms commentary? My, If you were to put it in a single document, yeah. it's more than 1,300 pages. Really? Yeah. So how? what's that going to look like as a book? Well, I don't know. I mean, right now it's online <laughs> content, right so now. it's taken up a lot of bytes yeah. on a computer. But uh, I don't know. I'll figure it out. I, probably it would be in several volumes yeah. uh, printed out. So so Enduring Word is your mm-hmm. online... That's right. EnduringWord.com. EnduringWord.com. Okay. And then um, most of the stuff on there, though, has been published in book form, right? Yeah, the entire New Testament, mm-hmm. several Old Testament books, and they're available 
for sale on the website. Yeah. But the vast majority of people use the, the commentary, use it online. They use it online. Yeah, it's just, it's available there for free yeah. and people use it. But of course, there's some people, there's always going to be those who would rather have it in paper. Yeah. And so we make that available too. Yeah, 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 that, that is great. Um, is there ever a point where you just go, yeah, I've read all of that, commentaries and stuff, and I just, you know, now I'm done and now I just... Yeah, well, it's funny that you mention that because really, in some sense, the message is the same to both, and yeah. that is keep putting in the work. Yeah. Uh, sometimes a younger uh, pastor or teacher mm-hmm. kind of doesn't really appreciate how much work it can take. Yeah. And then sometimes they'll fall into the air of thinking that they have to preach everything that they've prepared. Yeah. You know, th- this is a common yeah, trap. Yeah, yeah. I, to, to be, I did that when I was young. Yeah, to, to be an effective preacher, I really think you've got to be willing to leave some good things behind yeah. and, and know that it benefits anyway. Yeah. But then for, for those of us who have been doing it a long time, we need to be exhausted. You can't mail it in. Yeah. You, you've got to really sit down and study and, and, and dig into the Scriptures, not only for the preparation of the sermon, uh, but for your own soul. Yeah. You know, the thing that I find most precious mm-hmm. about my times of study mm-hmm. is they are marvelous times of fellowship with yeah. Jesus. Yeah, so you don't separate those two things. No, I, I don't. I don't. Now, th- there is a devotional reading of the Bible kind of apart from preparing for yeah. messages. Yeah. But at the same time, my study for preaching yeah. is deeply devotional yeah. also. Yeah. I, I, I can't describe to you. Yeah just the marvelous fellowship that I have with Jesus yeah. in and through his yeah. word. You know, I wrestled with that for a lot yeah. of years. I don't know why I, I wrestled with it so much, but I, you know, it was like, okay, these are my devotions and this is where I'm connecting with yes. the Lord. And then this is my study and this is where, and you know, it was this weird thing. And thank God one day I just thought, how stupid is this? You know, you know? I think it was kind of a reaction to the idea that sometimes we would read the Bible and just think about what it was for others. For other people, yeah. And, and that's the wrong way to read yeah. the Bible. Yeah. And whether you're preaching, whether you're preaching or devotionally, you have to. Re- and what is it for me? You have to let the word of God impact you first in yeah. a profound way. Yeah. And the study is the best place for that to happen. Yeah. So you, mm. you know, really, I'm not saying this to to flatter you, but you know, you really are an excellent um, preacher, and and your commentaries are, are very good. But you don't really have a formal theological education. No, I don't. Sometimes I'm a little hesitant to talk about that mm-hmm. because um, not that I feel like it discredits my work. I mean, my work is there. People can judge it for whatever yeah. well, it is. Well, you're like Spurgeon. Well, your hero. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I would say this. I don't want people to think that I'm down on a theolo- it, it, theological education. Theological is, is a wonderful pursuit yeah. and, and, and it's a good thing, but it wasn't the path that God had for me. Yeah. Uh, my ability just was really to educate myself. And I I often tell guys, there's no glory in an ignorant ministry. Our our pastors, our thing, we should be educated. I like that. Can I quote that? There's no glory Glory in in an an ignorant ignorant ministry. ministry. (laughs) Now, sometimes, some people have the capability, the giftedness to really educate themselves through their diligent study. Mm -hmm. Other people, it's going to best happen in a more, you know, formalized institutional setting. But however you need to get it, be educated unto the work of God. Study to show yourself approved. Yeah. Yeah. Languages, Greek, Hebrew, Semitic languages, um, how important do you feel well, that they are 
it's it's kind of a loaded question for me because I don't have training yeah. in Greek or Hebrew, and I, I feel that it, to a great extent sometimes, yeah. and 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 it's something that I, I plan on pursuing more and more. But yeah. you you do need to have an understanding of how to use the really good Greek and Hebrew resources the that are tools, out there, yeah, yeah. especially to become familiar with the commentators yeah. who know how to tell you when there's something in the original languages yeah. that's going to be very helpful for yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah, you know, as I look back um, over the years, I, I think, you know, I, I probably have a number of regrets, but one, mm-hmm. I do wish that I would have, uh, you know, done the language thing. Yeah. I just, I mean, sometimes I feel like, not that I feel like, gosh, I, I don't really know what the text says because I don't know the original language. Not that at all, because obviously the English is a Yes, <laughs> and you're not going to stand up and preach from the Greek New <laughs> right. Testament to yeah. people. But even just sometimes for myself, mm-hmm. I just wish, like, you know, yes. I wish I would have done that. As a matter of fact, I said to Cheryl uh, recently, I said, honey, you know what? Let's study Greek together. Let's just make that a morning thing where we get up and let's just do a little Greek, you know. Boy, maybe I'll talk to Engelil about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we can compare notes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, gosh, man, all of this stuff is so good. So, again, going back to... You know, just, just, I want you to, to just take a minute here mm-hmm. as we wrap things up, and just encourage guys. What, what do, what, what do you want to say to guys about just practically preparing themselves, becoming? Because, like you said, uh, I'm, I'm like you. You know, I've been preaching now for, you know, almost forty years. Mm. But man, I don't feel at all like I've arrived or yeah, I've done all of that study. Right. Man, I feel like, oh gosh, I wanna I wanna study harder. I wanna yes. I wanna know more. So maybe just encourage the guys just with a simple sort of like an approach to preparing yourself to be a preacher and to be a better preacher as you go along. You know, one place it begins is especially like in Psalm 119, which is staggering. This, yeah. this longest of the Psalms right. is all about the greatness and the glory of God's Word. Yeah. And so often in that Psalm, you'll, you'll hear the psalmist declare, how I love your Word. Yeah. And honestly, yeah. especially because we're up close with the things of the ministry, yeah. we in the ministry, it's possible to lose our delight in yeah, the Word of God. Word, yeah. and, and if there's people out there who have a ministry, they're pastors, teachers, whatever, mm-hmm. and they've lost their delight in God's Word, yeah. I, not a word of condemnation, say they need to seek God and just yeah. bear their heart before and say, God, give me a renewed love for your Word. Yeah. And then leading to that, I think it's very important when people study, when people prepare to teach, that they spend time with the scriptures yeah. themselves first. Yeah. I mean, I think commentators are helpful. I use commentator, yeah. commentators. I write a Bible commentary. Right, right. But it, it shouldn't be the, the that, go-to thing yeah, first. That's not where you start. No, it's, right. it's not where you start. Yeah. You used a phrase many years ago. Matter of fact, I think it was in one of those Australia conferences I, I heard you use this phrase. You used the phrase anointed exposition mm-hmm. as something that, that is important to us in our Calvary Chapel sort of family. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's true. And anointed exposition doesn't come just by going slavishly to the commentators, though they help. Yeah. But uh, it, it really comes from spending time and thought yeah. and not just giving uh, mind but heart mm-hmm. into the text. Yeah. And loving the word again. Yeah. I remember reading years ago that Campbell Morgan, in his whenever he would, you mm. know, approach teaching a book, I think it was like 
he would read the 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 text over at least twenty times, something, something like, like that. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, and and you know that stuck with me because mm-hmm. I thought, okay, when I approach uh, a new text, that's uh, I I want to do that as well. You know, when I when I was younger, and maybe maybe we can just talk about this for a quick second too. Um, because a lot of times people ask me, well, you know, how do you study? And, yes. and I have to say, I study differently today than I did when I was, sure. you know, maybe I'm talking well, to a 25 year old. Yeah. Hopefully you study better now. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what I did in my younger days is I would literally get every conceivable, uh, you know, book on the topic. Mm-hmm. So I, I would, on my desk, I would have yes. a stack of books this yes. big. And I had to get through these, you yes. know, before I could teach my midweek study. And I remember so many times where I was oh, like, man. I had so much information in my brain, I didn't even know what to say. Yes. yes. Information overload. Yeah. You know, and you, you kind of work through that, right. you know, and you right. kind of figure it out as you go. But I, I tell guys today uh, that what I do now, for the most part, is when I'm going to teach through uh, a book of the Bible, I generally look for two to three really solid and i mm. you know like yes. you do i have guys that i just connect i right. i just like these guys so i'm going to usually go to them and then maybe somebody that i'm not so familiar with but maybe mm-hmm. somebody's recommended like hey this this guy's fantastic but but i found and this has been you know quite a few years now but i, I really like this place where i'm at with yes. the, the yes. two to three <laughs> yes and then sometimes i find myself uh where i used to even i would make sure i went you know kind mm-hmm. of all the way through those commentaries even sometimes today, I find myself just sort of referencing them rather than right. actually, you know, reading all the way through them. Yeah, some commentators you learn to sort of skim. Yeah. Some you learn to read in greater depth. Yeah. Maybe at the beginning of a book study, you'll start out with several and you'll yeah. weed through them. Yeah. And by the third or fourth week, yeah. you're like, okay, this is my stable of yeah. three or four guys yeah. or whatever. And, and then, too, there's something to just the fact that there are certain commentators that you resonate with. Yes. Right? Because I, because I remember, you know, Pastor Chuck was the one who uh, kind of just began me and my right. you know, ministry and studying. And, you know, he gave me a library. And, and you know, he had his favorite people. You sure. Know? Uh, William Newell. Uh, Chuck loved William yes. Newell. Uh, Griffith Thomas. And, of course, his G. favorite Campbell Morgan. was Campbell Morgan. Yes. Campbell Morgan was his yes. favorite guy. And, um, I, you know, for whatever reason, I just didn't seem to resonate so much right. with those guys. But I... Man, when I read my first, I think it was Sermon on the Mount, Lloyd-Jones, I just resonated with Lloyd-Jones, yes. you know, just his analytical thing. I just felt like, gosh, this guy, I mean, obviously he was brilliant and I'm not, but I, I just felt more of a connection. Sure. So there are, there are commentators that you're going to connect with and resonate with, and there's others that you know, somebody else might think, man, this is the greatest tool ever. Well, and that's why don't struggle with the guys you don't resonate with. Yeah. There's going to be guys out there that you do. Yeah. You know, you're just kind of inflicting pain on yourself in some ways yeah, yeah. by laboring with the guys that aren't yeah, speaking to you. Yeah. And, you know, we got to do all of that stuff so we can say to other guys who are younger now, say, yeah, yes, you know, we, right. we did that. So <laughs> you don't have to do that. <laughs> David, this is great. And, Thank you, Brian. Uh, I hope we can have many more conversations. I look forward to it. Thanks Thank for you so on. much. All right. Thanks. God bless. Bless all right. Thanks so much for joining us. And I uh, hope this has been helpful to you. Um, we are all over the place online and social media. So um, if this has been a blessing to you, then pass it on to somebody else. All right. God bless you.